Hey, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope the message you're about to hear blesses you and helps you follow Jesus like never before. If it does bless you, I'm going to ask you to do two things. One, to share this with somebody else so that they can be blessed by it just like you. And two, if you're blessed, I'm going to ask you to, to give, to be a part of supporting the ministry so other people can continue to have this resource. And so to give, you can go to cfmiami.org give. Thank you so much. I pray you're blessed by this teaching. Amen. Great job, team. What a beautiful, beautiful moment that was. Well, welcome, everyone. Great, great to see you. My name is Zomar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at CF. And I want to welcome everyone right now watching us live stream online as well as our local campuses, uh, from all the way from Doral to Coral Gables, West Kendall, the Redland Homestead Campus, and here at Palmetto Bay. If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much. Can we encourage our first-time guests today? It's an honor to have you with us. And folks, it's a great time to join us because we are starting a brand new series today called The God Who Sees. You see, there's a misconception in society that God is unaware and detached from what's happening here on earth. But the truth of the matter is that our God sees all things. In fact, today we're going to be learning from God's Word, how He is a God who sees our affliction. And so I'm so excited and ready to dive into God's Word. I hope you are as well. And so wherever you find yourself at all campuses, let's remain standing for the, for the reading of God's Word. It's the way that we honor God's Word here as we read it. And today I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 16, all right? And you can follow along with me as I read. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your what? At all campus, what? Yeah, at your affliction. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God of what, church? Sea. Yeah, the God of sea. For she said, Truly, here, I have seen him who looks after me. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody at all campuses. And church family, let me start off by sharing this with you today. You know, ever since Mateo was born, our youngest, uh, our youngest son, uh, by the grace of God, he's been really easy to care for. He has been such a great baby. Uh, in fact, just a few weeks into his life, he was already sleeping 12 to 13 hours a night. Yeah, yeah. Praise God for that, for the grace of God. And, and here's the best part. He would never wake up in the middle of the night, never. And so Ashley and I were absolutely blessed with Mateo. He's been awesome so far. But folks, follow me here. Because earlier this year, I was having, uh, it was a Tuesday night, and I went through his normal routine, putting him down to sleep. Uh, you know, we got him in his PJs. We gave him his bottle of milk. Uh, we sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Uh, we prayed over him, the whole routine. And so I went to put him in the crib, and I threw a bunch of pacifiers all throughout. If you guys recall from several weeks back, I threw them all over the place, so he has enough pacifiers. And then, folks, I put him down to sleep like I'd always do. And, folks, he went to sleep. He went down just like every other night perfect, per, in a perfect way. And so it was Tuesday night, and that's the night I have my men's small group at my home. And so the, I, I went to the kitchen at that juncture. I started making the coffee and getting things ready. The guys came, and we started our Bible study, and it was a great night. 
But folks, about 9.50 in the night, right when we were about to wind down the, the, the small group, at that juncture, I began to hear a cry. And folks, this cry from Mateo was not a normal cry. It was a different cry. It was a cry of distress. Uh, it was almost like a cry of affliction. And folks, what I realized quickly was that he was having a night terror. Oh yeah, you know, Camila, uh, growing up, she had many night terrors in, in, when she was young, but Mateo had never had a night terror. And so evidently something happened in his mind, in his heart, that caused him, that led him into a state of despair. And folks, here's what happened. He woke up in distress and he began to cry and cry and cry. And after he woke up, he, would, he sat up in his little crib and in a dimly lit room, he began to look around as he cried to see if anybody knew what was going on in his life. In other words, he began to look around the room seeing, does anybody understand that despair that I'm going through at this juncture? And folks, here's what happened, folks. Even though he thought that nobody was in the room and nobody knew, somebody knew. You see, what he didn't know is that his father's eyes were on him. And folks, my eyes were watching every single cry, every single toss and turn, every single time he would look around. Listen, as every move, my eyes were on him. Folks, not because I could see through walls, but rather because of the camera that we had in his room, my eyes were on him every single moment. And folks, do not miss this. Because even though me as his father, maybe I had so much going on in the middle of my small group with so many different people, with so much commotion, with so many things going on, listen carefully. When my son cried, when my son was in a moment of affliction, my eyes were on him. And folks, let me just bring that over to our time today because I thought to myself, what an example of when the children of God and when we go through moments of affliction. And by that, I mean that just like Mateo in that moment was up looking around wondering, does anybody see what's going on in my life? Listen, just like that. And here's the big idea for today as we open up God's word. Listen, when the children of God, when we go through the night terrors of our own life, you know, those moments in our lives that are filled with so much despair, with so much sadness, with so much discouragement, with so much disappointment. Listen, in those moments in our life, listen carefully, we look up and we wonder, does God really understand what's happening in my life? Does anybody really understand what's happening deep inside of my heart? And folks, listen, even before we want God to address and fix that issue in our life. You know what your soul and my soul long for the most? Is to know that God sees and knows what's going on in our life. And who knows, maybe you're here right now. And you are sitting, you're watching from one of our campuses. And you maybe are going through a moment where you're going through a dark moment in your own life. You may not show it right now. But right now, deep inside of your heart, you are struggling with some sort of despair, some sort of disappointment, some sort of anxiety, some sort of concern. And you're wondering, 
does God really understand? Does my heavenly father really know what's happening in my life? Well, folks, we're going to find out today from Genesis chapter 16 from a young girl named Hagar. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 16. You can follow in our app as well as our listening guides. When you walked in, you can have picked up a little listening guide to follow along with us. Today I have three important reminders as when we as a children of God go through those dark moments in our lives. CF, are you all ready to dive into God's Word this morning? Yeah? So write this down as point number one. Here we go. The first thing we need to know, and that is this, that God sees you in the midst of your affliction. Can I get an amen to that? Now listen to what God's Word says in Genesis chapter 16. Then the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your what? Affliction. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of what? Of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Now stop right there and let's slip into the scene for just a moment. Because two weeks ago we learned that even though God had promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have their own son who uh, a great nation would come through him and all the families in the, on this earth will be blessed. Even though God had promised what, that he would do that, when God took a little longer than they expected, as you recall several weeks ago, we saw that they took matters into their own hands. And so what happened was that then Sarah, unable to have children at that time, well, gave Abraham her servant, Sir uh, Hagar, to be Abraham's wife and for him to sleep with her. And eventually, as you recall, she eventually conceived. And the moment that she conceived, there began to be tension in the home, right? Now you have Abraham and two women. One of them is pregnant with a child. The other one cannot have children. So there was a lot of contention. There's a lot of jealousy. There was a lot of... Uh, um, uh, uh, issues starting to happen in the home. And so to make a long story short, Sarah, Abraham's wife, became very, very harsh with Hagar, this younger girl, and eventually Hagar fled and left their home. And so listen to what, notice what it says in the passage. It says that the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to what? To sure. Now, what we see here is that Hagar, as she's fleeing, she's fleeing from the land of Canaan, right, where she's at, to the land of Egypt. And folks, the way that people in those days would travel from Canaan all the way to Egypt was by this, place, by this way called the Way of Shur. And so, folks, this journey was not an easy journey. Remember, 
Hagar was from Egypt. She was born in Egypt. And so Hagar now, as a pregnant girl, is making this treacherous trip, which is part of the Eastern Arabian desert. There is no water. There are animals. There are bad people. There's so many things happening. And so this poor girl now, picture it, this poor young girl, pregnant, is running through this wilderness, trying to get home, not knowing if she will get to the place where she is going. And folks, as she's making this journey, folks, listen carefully, in the midst of it, God intervenes and God speaks to her. And folks, here is what Hagar quickly realizes, that this God who just spoke to her and says, intervene, is not like the gods that she was used to back in Egypt when she was growing up. You know, no doubt when she was a little girl, She would walk by all these great statues and she would look up and see these statues, right, that were huge, they were made of rock, they were stiff, they could not see anything. And all her life growing up, she would look at these statues when she was growing up and they never did anything for her. But now, this God is much different. This is the God who sees In fact, she calls the Lord at this juncture on the way to Shur. She calls the Lord by one of the names that we find in the Hebrew Testament for God. In fact, listen carefully what what she says. She says, "So so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of what? Of seeing. Now, if you have your Bibles open or your handout, circle the phrase God of seeing. Because in the original Hebrew text, uh, in fact, today we're going to learn a little Hebrew. Is that all right? Yeah? All right. In the original Hebrew, the, what she called God, which is one of the names of God in the Old Testament, is El-Roi. In fact, can we all say El-Roi? You could do better than that. You can say El-Roi. Yeah. And El-Roi is one of the names of God. Now, let me help you understand what that means. The word El in the Hebrew simply means God. So whenever you see a name that has the, 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 two, the two letters L, uh, like uh, Ishmael, uh, Daniel, Samuel, whenever you see a name that has the, word, the two letters E-L together like that, that means that God, the, word, the, name, the name of God is engineered into that name. So L means God and Roe simply means to see. And so the name El-Roi in the Hebrew simply means he is a God, not that's blind, but he is a God who sees all things. And listen, we live in a culture that many people either A, don't believe that God exists, or if he does exist, he is unaware of what's happening. He is detached from what's happening in our lives. But folks, when we look at the Holy Scriptures, we see a God that's different, amen? We see a God, El-Roi, who sees and watches everything. In fact, God's word says this, that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the what? Evil and on the good. Listen carefully. You may be sitting here right now at one of our campuses And you may be, listen, although the reality is that you may not find yourself in the same predicament like this poor girl Hagar running through the middle of a desert, 
But the reality is that you find yourself in a stressful situation, in a moment of distress. So what is it in your life right now that if we were to peek into the depth of your soul, we would see something going on in your life? Pass off all the facade, pass all the, the exterior, what will we find right, right now happening in your heart? Maybe it's a disappointment of a marriage that has not gone the way you thought it would be, it would go. Maybe it's the sorrow of something happening with a child, maybe a wayward child for those who are older and you've seen your child going further and further from the Lord. For some of us, let's just be honest, we're just lonely. We really have nobody in our lives. You're going through a moment of singleness. And the truth of the matter is that deep down, listen, you're, you just feel so lonely. For some of us, listen, we've taken a downturn in our business. Maybe it's a business that's gone bankrupt. Perhaps it's uh, disillusionment and sorrow and discouragement because your career, your, your path of your life didn't really go the way you thought it would go. And some of us really, let's be honest, maybe we have an illness going on in our life, maybe an illness of someone that we love, that we really care about, and you feel powerless and sorrowful. Why? Because you cannot heal, you cannot fix the problem in that person's life that you care so about so much. And listen, you may be seated right now in an auditorium filled with hundreds of people posing up a facade, but listen, the reality is that if you look deep down in your heart, you're wondering, you feel like no one truly understands what's going on in my life. No one understands my sorrow. No one understands the discouragement. No one understands the anxiety. No one understands the despair that I'm feeling deep down in my life. But folks, here's the good news. Listen, there is a God who sees the deepest part of your soul. Everything is laid bare before him. He is El Roe. And listen, what your soul needs the most in the middle of this season in your life is, listen, even before the problem is fixed, is to know that your God sees and knows what's happening in your life. Hey, can we give a praise of God? Because listen, he is El Roe. Listen, as a child of God, let that truth comfort your heart. He knows and perfectly understands what's happening in your life. And folks, not only does he see, but write this down as big number two. Listen, God comes to you in the midst of your affliction. In fact, listen to what it, happened, what it says in verse seven. It says, and the angel of the Lord, what's the next word there? Found. Found her, came to her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. Now, Here's what you need to know. This is not just an ordinary angel. In fact, many scholars suggest that this is an appearance of the pre-incarnated Christ. Now, some of you may be thinking, wait a second, Omar. What are you talking about that this is, that this is Jesus? I mean, wasn't Jesus born in a little manger in Bethlehem at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew? Wasn't that the beginning of his life? Listen carefully, that was the beginning of his incarnation, right? When he took on flesh in order to suffer for us, experience what we suffered, and then went to the cross to die for our sins. That was his beginning, right, of his incarnation. But that was not the beginning of Jesus. 
You see, we need to always be clear that the second part of the Trinity has always existed. Jesus has always existed. In fact, the Bible says very clearly that he was the one who spoke the world into existence back in Genesis chapter 1. Yeah. And so what we see is that throughout the Old Testament, there are certain moments where the pre-incarnated Christ makes an appearance. And folks, we call those things a Christophany. Everyone say Christophany. 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 Yeah, a Christophany. Now, you may be wondering, Omar, how do we know in the Old Testament when there has been a Christophany, when when the pre-incarnated Christ has appeared? Well, there's two good, two major ways to to know. First of all, is if whether or not that person accepts worship from the people. You see, whenever uh, an angel, a regular angel appears, they are so glorious that people throw themselves on the floor to start worshiping them. But time after time, whenever they do that, they say, don't, don't, don't worship me. Do not worship me. Get up and you worship God, right? Because an angel will never accept worship that's, that's attributed to God. So whenever you see someone appear in the Old Testament that receives the worship of God, listen, that's an indication that this probably is a Christophany. The second way to know is when that person, that angel of the Lord, actually says something that only God can do. So for example, if you look at this passage, listen to what it says. It says that the angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. In other words, notice the angel here of the Lord promises that he himself is going to be the one that's going to multiply the descendants of this little boy named Ishmael. Not only that, but notice after this whole encounter, Hagar says, truly I have seen him who looks after me. Notice she doesn't say, oh, truly I've seen the angel, an angel of the Lord, of the God who looks after me. No, no, no. She says, I have seen with my eyes the one who looks after me. And folks, here's what I love. Throughout history, God God has a way of running to his people who are in affliction and distress. In fact, God's word says this, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears towards their cry. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is what? The Lord is what? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushing spirit. Listen, are you brokenhearted today? Behind the facade, are you brokenhearted? Are you crushing spirit? Listen, the Lord is near to you that you can ever imagine. Amen? You know, it's interesting, you know, with even my own life, and you'll probably relate to this, as a parent, whenever I'm in another room and I hear my children laughing and enjoying themselves, isn't there something that brings a smile to your face, right? You're kind of enjoying the moment you hear the laughter of your children. There's something about you as a parent. You rejoice, even in another room, right? You rejoice with your children. But listen, the moment that I hear one of my children cry, then there's something instinctively in me that I run, that I run 
to their rescue. Isn't that right? And folks, you know where that instinct comes from? It's because it's engineered by God because that is a type of father that he is. Listen, that he may rejoice and, and be proud of us in the great times of life. Listen carefully. The moment you cry in distress, our heavenly father runs to us to look after us and to, and to, and, and, and to be with us. Listen, that's a God, that's the type of God we serve. And listen, not only does he come, not only does he see us and come to us, but listen, write this down as big number three. God also looks after you in the midst of your affliction. Now notice what Hagar says. What a beautiful statement. She says this. She says, so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God of sin. You are El Roy. For she said, truly, I have seen him who, what church, looks after me. You see, Hagar understood that this wasn't just a God who saw. This wasn't a God who came, but this is a God who looks after her in every moment of her life. What a beautiful thought. And you know, she would know this. She would experience this for the rest of her life. You know, it's sad to say, what the, the sad part about the story of Hagar is this, is that this is not the only time this happened to her. In fact, if you fast forward from uh, chapter 16, where we're at today, to chapter 21, at that juncture, we see that by then, that little baby she had conceived already, his name was Ishmael, she had, she already had, he already had been born, and Sarah also had born a child. His name was Isaac. And we're going to get into these stories in the, few, in the coming weeks. So don't worry. But it's interesting. In that juncture, there was a moment where it seems like little Ishmael was teasing or making fun of little Isaac. And when Sarah saw that, she got so upset that eventually it led to Abraham and Sarah putting, uh, putting um, uh, Hagar and little Ishmael with, a, with, a, with, with a, a skin of water and send them out again into the wilderness. And so folks, now this time, listen, she is running, not pregnant, but she's running with a little toddler boy. She's running now through the same place. And I'm sure in her mind, she's thinking, I cannot believe this happened to me again. And folks, as she is traveling, as she is going through, listen to what happens next. It says, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. When she went, then she went and sat down opposite of him, a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite of him, she lifted her voice and wept. So folks, do not miss this. Folks, put yourself in this situation. This young girl with her only little boy, they got to the point that after days and days and days without water, she knows that this little boy is going to die. So she puts the little boy under a bush and she just cannot stand to hear the little boy cry. So she runs and runs and runs so that she doesn't hear her little boy cry himself to death. Folks, imagine that the stress and the affliction that this young girl was experiencing at that moment. But folks, here is what we learn from, Sarah, from Hagar's story. Write this down, letter A. 
that God has a plan in the midst of your affliction. Amen? Now listen to what happens next. It says, And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to her from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of that boy where he is up. Up, girl, up, Hagar. Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. In other words, God was telling Hagar, Hagar, listen, even though you may, be think, you may think this is the worst moment in your life, listen carefully, and it may, may very well be, I have a plan, God tells her. In fact, what I love about the story is that that little boy who was left for dead under a bush, God would have mercy on that little boy, and he would so make him into a great nation. And folks, one of the things that we need to remember that as we go through the stress and affliction, in our hearts, there is a sense of fear that the rest of our life is gone. You know, when you are in those moments of discouragement, when you are in those moments of confusion, of disappointment, of whatever's happening in your life, you think, well, from here now, things can never get better. From here now, the rest of my life will be so affected that I will always suffer the consequences. I don't have a future. But folks, God reminds us that in the middle of your darkest moment, God has a plan. Can we praise God for that today? In fact, when the people of God were in Babylon, even being afflicted for their own sin, even when God was disciplining the people of God, listen to what the Lord tells them in Jeremiah 29. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and plans and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Listen, even in the midst of affliction, child of God, preach to your own heart that this is not the end of the road. God has a plan for, to give you a future and a hope. And here's what I love, that even in the midst of whatever's happening in your life, that you're so confused, that you're so discouraged, that you're so disappointed, listen carefully, God's word promises us that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. To for those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, God has a plan, even in the worst moments of our lives. You know, in my own personal time, I've been going through the Old Testament, and uh, just uh, about a week and a half ago, I went through the book of Ruth. Uh, it's a short little book in the Old Testament of a girl named Ruth, and inside of that book, there is a lady whose name was Naomi. And the word, the name Naomi actually means pleasant in the, original, in the original language. And so this lady Naomi, who was a little older, she moves away with her husband and her two only sons and with their daughter and with their, uh, uh, their wives. And somewhere along the way, he, she loses her husband, who was the love of, his li of her life. And then to make matters worse, her two only sons end up passing away as well. And folks, think about it. This older woman now getting to the end of her life, not only does she lose her husband, but she loses both of her sons. 
And folks, there was so much affliction in her heart. Listen, that she changed her name from Naomi, what means pleasant, to Mara, which means bitter. And so she started calling, telling people, call me bitter. Call me Mara. I have just too much pain. I have too much affliction in my, lo- in my heart. But what I love about it is that as you go through that short little book that happened in, ver- in chapter 1, by the time you get to chapter 4, we see that God had a plan. God was in control. God had a specific purpose, not only for Ruth, his, his daughter-in-law, her daughter-in-law, but even for her. And I love it because at the end of this, of this book, you need to read it. It's a beautiful book. At the end of this book, we see that Naomi, she actually, through Ruth, her daughter-in-law, he, she now receives her own son. She has a little grandbaby boy. And what I love about it, but Scripture is careful to say that Naomi, that everyone in the town was saying a a son was born to Naomi. And this little baby boy that the scripture says she actually actually nursed, she actually weaned him and grew up. She was uh, the older lady leading, you know, raising this little, little boy. And this little baby, this little boy, his name was Obed. And Obed turned out to be the grandfather of the king of Israel, David himself, who eventually will be the descendant of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so here's what I want to help you understand. In chapter one, she thought she had no future in her life. Her life was completely destroyed. But in chapter four, we see that she was raising the lineage of the future king of Israel and eventually Christ himself. You see, what she didn't understand was that there was a chapter four to the story. And what you need to remember, child of God, that you may be in chapter one right now. But chapter 4 is coming, amen? I don't know what is in your life, but listen, chapter 4 is coming for you. Folks, not only does God have a plan, and here's my last point, write this down on letter B. God also provides in the midst of your affliction. Now, let's go to the passage one last time. Listen to how the story ends. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up, and he lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife from him from the land of Egypt. And so notice, in the moment of that distress, what do we see? God provided the grace necessary to sustain her and that little boy. He gave her exactly the amount of water that they needed to keep going. And let me tell you, when you and I go through those hard moments, he may not fix the moment right there and then. But listen, our God is faithful. And he will give you the grace necessary to sustain you, to provide for you every step of the way until his good will, sovereign will for your life is accomplished. Can we praise God today for that? Amen. And so let me end with this. You may, you may be sitting right now at one of our campus. You may be watching online and you may be thinking, Omar, listen, I understand what you're saying. But how do I know for sure God has not forgotten me? Omar, if you only knew the situation, if I could just sit down with you and explain to you the sorrow, the disappointment, the discouragement that's in my heart. Listen, you, you may not even be able to understand. So how can I know for sure that my God has not forgotten me, because it feels like he's forgotten me. Well, folks, listen to what God's word says. All eyes on me, listen to what it says. 
He says, can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget. Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Listen, there will never be a moment in your life that, that your good Lord will ever forget about you. You know, I've told you before this before, but when we all get in the future, when we are in heaven with the Lord, there's going to be a moment that we're going to receive our brand new glorified bodies, and those bodies will never break down, will never cry, will never be discouraged, will never be lonely. There will never be a moment, amen? But here's what's amazing. Even though we're all going to have perfect bodies in heaven, Listen, there will be one body that's not perfect. And it's, and it's that of the Lord's Jesus Christ. Because even to this day, listen carefully, he bears the marks of the cross. And even for all eternity, every single time we look at our Lord, he will so be wearing, bearing the marks of the cross. And so listen carefully. There is no way that even in this moment in your life that God has forgotten you. Why? Because even to the day that you see him face to face, every time he looks at the wounds of his hands, it's a reminder that is my son, that is my daughter, the one who I love and I gave my own life for them. That is God's word. Can we praise God today for that? And you know, the truth of the matter is that we've learned in this first week of the series that He is a God who sees, He comes to us, and He draws near to us, amen. But it's sad to say that so many times it is in the moments of affliction that we don't draw near to God. Have you noticed that? Sometimes we like to talk to so many people in our life, be on the phone, be texting people at nauseam, telling them what's going on in, their, what's going on in your life, but there's never a time that you go to God in prayer and you talk to the God who sees you, talk to the God who loves you, talk to the God who gave his son for you at the cross. The Bible says, listen, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He also says, listen, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so I thought, you know, as we end today, I thought it would be such a beautiful moment for us as a church family across all of our campuses for it to be a moment of prayer. For the moment, listen, that if you're going through, whether it's a minor issue in life or a major issue in life, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Listen, we all are going through things, including myself. We all need to talk to the Lord. We all need to draw near to God. We all need to hear from Him. Amen? So here's what we're going to do in a few moments. Our bands are going to lead us in a song of worship. And the way that I want to end today is this. Listen, at all of our campuses, we're going to open up the altar here uh, for us. Whoever needs, feels like, man, I, you know, I just need a time just to pray to the Lord and just be with Him. For us to come during the song, what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to go myself first. I'm going to come here. I'm going to, and I'm going to, and I'm going to spend some time in prayer as well. Because I have things going on in my life, just like you have things going on in your life. But what the Lord is once that wants us for us to draw closer to him, right, and seek him in prayer. 
And so what I want to encourage for us, whether something minor or major in your life, listen, we all need. So in a few moments, the band's going to lead us into worship. It's all about come to the altar, uh, come and, and find refuge in the Lord. And so what I want to encourage you to do is as they are singing that song, if you feel led to, listen, come at all of our campus to the front, kneel down, and, listen, and just spend some time with the Lord. Whether minor or major, listen, you know what your soul needs? Your soul needs to be with God. Your soul needs to talk to the Lord. And there's no better place than when we come before the Lord and spend some time with Him. Amen? And so go ahead and stand up together at all campuses. If that's you, I'll lead the way. I'll be here in the front. And let's come and enjoy a time of, with the Lord.